the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, some might ask, but why would God do that? Well, because God has a plan. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. This is part two of a study that we started yesterday in Genesis 40, and I entitled the message, When Will It End? And what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about Joseph here. And Joseph, as you know, was sold out by his own brothers because of their jealousy and hatred of their younger brother, And why did they hate him? Well, he was favored by his dad, Jacob. And that was unfortunate because it really put that tension of jealousy in there. And then on top of that, you know, he ratted out his brother. So he was kind of a tattletale. And he was having dreams of how his family was going to bow down to him. So between all of those situations, it's like it left his brothers hating him. And so what they do? Well, at first they wanted to kill him. That's how bad they hated him. But between two of his brothers, uh, Reuben and Judah, they decided to spare him, but they ended up selling him to Ishmaelite slave traders, and he was sold as a slave down in Egypt. Then, you know, he could have just said, man, I'm just going to be bummed out for the rest of my life, and I just want to go commit Harry Carey. No, that's not what he did. He actually said, well, Lord, this is my plight in life. I'm going to work hard. So he was bought by a wealthy Egyptian that had multiple servants and slaves in his house. But it says that God favored Joseph in that house, and he outworked all the other slaves. And by that, the owner noticed him and elevated him above everyone and made Joseph his own personal assistant. And through time, and through maybe, who knows, a couple years, he was given the right to take care of all the business dealings of this wealthy Egyptian. And this Bible says that the wealthy Egyptian all he had to think about because all of his investments, his land, his home, everything was taken care of by Joseph. All he thought about was what he was going to eat every day. Hey, that's my kind of life. You get up every day and all you think about is, gee, what am I going to eat today? Well, anyway, so right when you think everything's going great, I think Joseph was even thinking, man, I lived out in a desert with my family, with all my brothers in a tent. Man, now I'm in Egypt. I'm in this beautiful home. I got my own quarters. I eat the best of food. I've got new clothes. Actually, God had really turned everything around for the best for him. And right when you think everything was going great and nothing could go wrong, uh uh-oh, there's a hussy in the house. That's right. It was Potiphar, the wealthy Egyptian. His wife had the hots for Joseph. 
The Bible tells us that Joseph was was handsome in form and appearance, so he was built. Give me some duct tape. He's ripped. He's got a six-pack. I mean, this guy's GQ magazine front cover material. He's a stud muffin. And Mrs. Potiphar, boy, she just couldn't get enough of him. She would come to him every single day and say, Joseph, lie with me. Lie with me. I was like, Miss Potiphar, get a hold of yourself already, girl. Come on. You Can't you have any manners there? But she was after him every day. And one day, Joseph came in. She sent all the other servants out of the house. And there she was alone with Joseph. She could have just been out of a Victoria's Secret bath bath. She could have had it on a little teddy. Maybe she was naked. We don't even know. But it says that she grabbed Joseph, lied with me, ripped off his clothes. Oh, my goodness. And Joseph said, oh, my goodness. Uh, excuse me, could we have a prayer meeting right now? Let's pray about this and light some candles. No, that's not what he said. He said, I'm out of here. He ran. I wonder if when we're in those times of massive temptation, are we sitting there kind of praying to ourselves, Lord, help me right now. I'm looking at something I shouldn't look at. Oh, Lord, help me right now. I'm getting ready to buy this bottle of liquor, and I know I shouldn't be drinking this. Are you praying about it? You don't pray right then. You run. You do exactly what Joseph did. Are you in? Run. You know, there's a time for prayer, and there's a time to run, and that's what Joseph did. Well, when that happened, of course— you know, his, uh, Potiphar's wife, you know, Miss Hussey, you know, she, uh, had her ego bruised. So when her husband got home, she said, that slave that you brought in here, that Hebrew slave, what did he do? He attacked me. Look, here's his clothes. He wanted to make sport of me. And of course, you know, her husband believed her and took Joseph and threw him into prison. It's like, you worthless slave. How could you do this? I've given you the best of life here, your own quarters, new clothes. You eat the best of food, and this is how you treat me? I'm going to throw you into prison forever. And that's it. And that's where we left off last time. He was thrown into prison. But the Bible said, what? It said that God was with him and gave him favor in the prison. Man, wherever this guy goes, it's like he's got the Midas touch. It's like everything he touches turns to gold. The Lord was with him, and now he's running the entire prison. Which brings up this other thought here, a mystery revealed. Well, hold on. Let's go on here, because we have a timely dream first. And the timely dream is this. Let me read it to you. In Genesis chapter 40, verse 1, it says, Then it came about after these days that the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, that's uh, Pharaoh, obviously, offended their lord, the king. And so Pharaoh was furious with these two officials, the cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard. Oh, the house of the captain of the bodyguard? Who's that? Oh, that's Potiphar. That's Joseph's old boss. Okay, so he's in jail now, in the same place where Joseph was, in prison. And the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them. So that means Potiphar put Joseph in charge of these two guys. And he took care of them. And they were in confinement for some time. Okay, that means it could have been a while. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream at the same night. And each man had his own dream, and each dream had its own interpretation. And when Joseph came into them in the morning, he observed that they were both dejected. And he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were with him in confinement in the master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? Well, we'll stop there for a moment. Wow, as crazy as this sounds, God allowed 
this hardship to happen in Joseph's life. Okay, all the pain, all the discomfort, all the difficulty of him now being thrown in prison, falsely accused. God didn't cause it to happen, but he allowed it to happen. Now, some might ask, but why would God do that? Well, because God has a plan. Now, I agree that there's nothing about Joseph's circumstances at this point that look like a plan from God. Yet, nonetheless, it was a plan. Know this. We can learn from every experience that we face in life. We can learn from the blessings of God. Oh, and don't we like that? Oh, we like to learn from the blessings of God. I mean, who doesn't want to learn from an answered prayer? Of course we like that. But the problem is, many times we learn nothing when we're on easy street, when we're soaking up the sun rays and there's nothing but blessings around us. We usually don't learn those deep spiritual meaning in our life. Make no mistake about it. Most people are way more apt to learn from hardships and times of great distress. For it's in those times, the pain that we experience causes us to never want to be in that place again of pain. That's why when we remove consequences from the crimes that people commit here in America, when we, quote, defund the police, when we make, you know, the penalty for crimes even less, thinking that it's going to cause criminals to do less crime. No, it's a complete polar opposite. Crime doesn't go down. Crime goes up. Yes, the harder the trial, the more impact it has on us. Why is that? Because we all learn from pain. That's why when there's severe penalty for crime, people are less likely to do crime. Why? Because they don't want to suffer with penalties. That's why people should stay in jail. There shouldn't be free TV and internet and all of these things. Jail should be the most miserable place alive so that when people go to jail, they don't want to ever, ever go back. See, this is how we learn. We learn from pain. We learn from the strains of life. We learn from walking in the desert. What do we learn from the desert? I don't want to walk in the desert. Why? Because it's hot and there's, I get thirsty there and it wears you out. This is why we must allow our hardships. Are you listening to me now? I know you got the radio on. Don't turn it down. Turn it up. We learn from our hardships because our hardships can drive us closer to the Lord, not farther away. Man, when you're getting pounded, where are you at? You need to be dri- you're dri- driven to the cross and, and hang on to the cross. Let the fires of this life refine us, not destroy us. For there's always a reason for the fire. God works in the midst of a variety of circumstances, hardships, and fires. He doesn't cause them again. They're caused because we live in a fallen world that's rejected Christ. But it's filled with so many broken pieces, this world that we live in. Yet God can work in the midst of all the broken pieces. Did you hear that? God can work in the midst of the fire. God can work in the midst of your horrible circumstances. Understand, God is preparing those of us who will listen, to have ears to hear for something that could be so much greater than us in our future. Well, getting back to Joseph and his trial, he's now introduced to others who have been thrown into the fire with him. Know this, if you're walking in the fire right now, 
you will always meet others that are walking in the fire also. We're not told what these guys did to anger Pharaoh. But in verse 2, it said that Pharaoh was furious with them. Whatever they did, it enraged him. And they're in some serious hot water. Yet by divine appointment and providence, they were put in the care of Joseph. By who again? The captain of the bodyguard. Who's Potiphar? (laughs) It was his wife that falsely accused him. I wonder if maybe Potiphar's kind of having somewhat of second thoughts. Maybe he's realizing, hey, my wife's a hussy. (laughs) You know, I don't know. But notice in verse 4, they were there for some time, meaning it could have been several weeks, maybe even months. Joseph had already been there for several years. See, the Bible says that he was like 17, 18 years old when he was sold as a slave. So he was with Potiphar for who knows, you know, two or three years. But we know when he gets out of prison, he's 30. So Joseph at this point has probably been here for six or seven years. And Joseph is caring for this cupbearer and the baker here. He took time to know them. He was concerned for them. And one day, Joseph noticed that they were overwhelmed and grieved. I wonder if you have that ministry at your job, where you get to know the fellow employees, where you get to know those that you work with, those that are in your sphere of life. Do you do like what Joseph did? Do you care about them? Do you come in on a Monday after a weekend and there's a co-worker and they're kind of quiet, more quiet than usual? Do you go out of your way to say, hey, what's going on? Anything happening in your life? Maybe they say, oh, I just had a rough weekend. Well, hey, listen, I'll pray for you. Listen, do you do that or are you just in your own little world? Listen, this is what Core Church Los Angeles is all about. We want to teach the Word of God in a way that it's application applicable to each and every one of us. This is why when we look at one of the oldest books in the Bible, the book of Genesis, this is why we find the application of what it means to us here today. Is that happening where you're going to church? Or maybe I should ask, are you going to church? Maybe you're one of those lone rangers. Yes, you know, I just got this special relationship with God. You know, it's just me and him. You know, I don't need man. I don't have to go to church. They just want your money anyway. It's like I just have my own thing. Uh, Well, can I just say you're completely and totally outside of God's will? Did you know that? Hey, come on, pastor. Take it easy on me. We're in a pandemic right now. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. Do you know that the word church itself comes from a Greek word, ekklesia, and it means the gathering together? God specifically wants his people to gather together. Are you a child of God? Are you a man or a woman of God? Okay, that's great. I'm glad. Do you believe in Jesus? Is he your savior? Yes. Listen, I want to invite you to Core Church Los Angeles. You know, it's like maybe you live an hour away from L.A. Drive, get in the car, turn the key. It's amazing how that works. Maybe you have a push-button starter. Start the car. Drive to L.A. We have a morning service on Sunday. There's no traffic. It's 8.30 a.m. And we have another service at 10.30 a.m. And then maybe, you know, come down for lunch or whatever and come to our 6.30 service. Go to the beach, whatever. Walk on the pier. You can hit our 6.30 p.m. service. And it's like be taught the Word of God. The Word of God is not always what you want to hear, but it is always what you need to hear. Be challenged in your faith. There's something about going to church. Now, listen, if you're a far 
away and you just no way you can drive. Or maybe you're one of our East Coast stations and you're, you know, there you are on the East Coast and there's no way I'm driving 3,000 miles to your church, uh, Pastor. Okay, well, I get that. You get a hall pass. But why don't you go and download our app? It's a free app on your phone. You can download it on your tablet. You can watch us on your computer. But we have recent messages and we do live stream at all of our services. So you can watch us live stream. And of course, we're on Pacific time. You're on East Coast time. So you have to add three hours to that. But you can watch us there even on the East Coast. Be challenged in your faith. Grow and mature in your faith as a believer. You can check us out at corechurchla.org. Well, anyway, getting back, we just had this dream that these, the cup baker, you know, the, the cup bearer and the baker had. And they had this dream. Their, their faces were saddened and everything. And so this is what happens next as this mystery is revealed. Let's pick up and read again in Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. It says, Then they said to him, To who? Joseph. We have had a dream. It was like a bad dream, and there was no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph, and he said, Well, okay, here's my dream. In the dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me, and on the vine there were three branches, and it was budding, and blossoms came out of it, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. So I took the grapes and I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of the dream. The three branches are, the th- are three days, and within three more days, Joseph will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. Only keep me in mind. When it goes well with you, and please do not, you know, and please do kindness to me by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this place. For I was, in fact, kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing that they should have put me into this dungeon. And when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, hey, that sounded pretty good. I have a dream, too. And so he says, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And on top of the baskets, there were all sorts of baked goods for Pharaoh. And the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, well, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. And within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and you will hang on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh off of your head. (laughs) Wow. That's not what he was anticipating. (laughs) Thus it came about on the third day when Pharaoh's birthday that he made a feast for all of his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among the servants and he restored the chief cupbearer to his office and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted it. Wow, man, that's a lot of text. But you had to read the whole thing. You had to get the whole story down. Now, look, back in verse 8, they were both grieved over their dreams. Their faces were saddened. But Joseph responded with, not to worry. Dreams belong to God. So tell me your dreams. And of course, the cupbearer shares his dream. And let's not forget, one of the reasons that Joseph was so hated by his older brothers was he was a dreamer. He had dreams where his family was bowing down to him. But now, without hesitation, 
God gives him the interpretation to the cupbearer's dreams. The cupbearer probably spoke first because he was confident of his innocence. Now, remember, both the cupbearer and the baker are being held in some kind of contempt, guilty of a high crime. And many believe dreams to be an extension of some sort of reality. And at times, there can be truth in our dreams, like we see here. And, of course, we see in the last days where it says in Joel that God will give his sons and daughters will prophesy and their uh, old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. But we have to be very careful with dreams and visions because I've had many people come up to me and they get caught up in all kinds of weirdness having some crazy dream because they had late night pepperoni pizza at two in the morning and drink monster drinks all day. Who knows? And they're seeking some interpretation from some crazy dream. Know this. Most of the time, dreams are just simply a dream. You know, we have all kinds of crazy things we can dream of, and they mean absolutely nothing. But you'll always know if a dream is from God. How are you going to know? Because two things will always happen if the dream is from God. Are you listening here? Don't turn the radio down. Turn it up. Number one, God will never contradict his word in a dream. Do you get that? Never God will never contradict his word in a dream. And number two, it will always come to pass exactly how the dream said with no weirdness. So if there's anything that contradicts God's word, even slightly in the dream, that dream is not from God. It's 100% or nothing. Okay, we just need to forget the dream if it contradicts in anything. I've had people coming to me with the craziest of dreams like, hey, Pastor, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I had a dream last night and I'm supposed to marry Hugh Jackman. Uh, yes. And it's like, uh, uh, well, guess what? Uh, that dream is not from God 100 percent. What do you mean? It seems so real. And I think I'm going to marry Hugh Jackman. Well, let me give you two reasons why it's not real. Number one. He's not a Christian, okay? God's never going to ask you to go marry a non-Christian. I wonder how many singles out there are thinking like, yes, I'm supposed to go marry this non-Christian. I wonder how many people are thinking, I'm supposed to marry this person at work. Hey, how about this? No, you're not. Why? Because you're married to someone else right now, okay? It's not God. It is not God. So number one, no, they're not a Christian. And number two, Hugh Jackman's already married to another woman, okay? So get it out of your head. It's like, so you have to really weigh the dream out against God's word. You know, this is how we should deal with dreams. We should just do what the Bible does with dreams and visions. Do you remember Mary, the mother of Jesus? Do you remember what happened with her dream and vision that she got from the angel Gabriel? He said, you're going to be blessed among women, and you are going to bear the Messiah, Savior, out of your own womb. Really? So what did she do? She pondered it. She deeply and carefully considered what it meant. But she didn't act on it, and she waited for it to happen. And guess what? She got pregnant without having sex with anyone, and she had enforced the Jesus out of her womb, and he was the Messiah Savior. So it proved itself out. We don't have to make it happen. If God's going to make it happen, it's going to make it happen. But let me ask you a question as we end our program today. 
Where do you find yourself? Because Joseph got the raw end of the deal, man. He got thrown in prison, falsely accused, all of these things. But yet God was using him right where he was at. Maybe you've had circumstances turn sour, but don't you realize God wants to use you in the midst of whatever you're going through right now? Maybe you find yourself distanced from the Lord. Maybe you find yourself going through hardships and instead of you thinking, well, maybe God's going to use this in my life, you got bitter against God and you've just kind of fallen away from the Lord because of some hardship in your life. Let me just ask you, my friend, will you come back to the Lord? Will you just come back? Allow God to have his perfect work in your life. Don't turn your back on God in circumstances and bad circumstances. You need to draw close to him. And if you want to draw close today, you can pray this prayer and God will hear you. Pray this now. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me, that you rose again from the dead. Come inside of me. Lord, help me. Be with me. Be my Lord, my God, my Savior, and my friend. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to help you and encourage you and send you a Bible that's got all kinds of notes to help you walk with the Lord. Our phone number is 323-807-3255. That's 323-807-3255. Or you can email me at Bible at CoreChurchLA.com. May the Lord God bless you. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 